Welcome, everybody, to the Built Different Podcast. Bill and I are back with episode five of Gold Rush. And man, I say it every week. I'll say it again. Football is exciting. This season is a mess, and I am happy. We're getting some good football. We're getting some messy football. We're getting everything that we could possibly ask for. Bill, why don't you kick us off with some good old agenda setting, and let's get right into it, man. I'm Sounds excited. Good. I couldn't agree more to, to start things off. This has been an awesome season uh, for all the right reasons and all the wrong reasons. Uh, so <laughs> looking forward to what we've got in store to, to wrap this thing up. There's four weeks left in the regular season, and I can't believe we're here already. Uh, but let's take a look at today's show. Uh, so we're going to start off just recapping what went down in week 14. Uh, we had a lot that went down, uh, so going to kind of fly through that. Uh, we will talk playoffs today. We're going to talk plenty of playoffs today. Uh, really, that's what sets the scene uh, for what we've got going on in week 15. Uh, we're going to look at some playoff implications, some scenarios, and we're going to take a look at the remaining schedule uh, for some of those teams that are fighting for some spots then, of course, we'll get into Bill's block. We'll take a look at some daily fantasy lineup. Uh, we'll also take a look at the five and five for both Tom and myself. We'll hit Tom's intuition, of course, and uh, we'll wrap things up with the uh, money line bets, the uh, touchdown scores, as well as little bonus action. Yes, sir. And here we are. So we predicted it last week. We, uh, we predicted what the game of the week would be. We were correct. The Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings did not fail to deliver. We sat here and we got clowned a little bit on TikTok because we released a short and we were saying, we don't know why the Lions are favored, but the Vikings are going to win. We don't know why. And yeah. the Lions won. Listen, when you see a line that's set so incorrectly, right, you got to figure out, is there a good reason for it? Is there an injury? Is there weather? Is there something that should create that? If there's not, there's nothing that obvious. Just trust. Vegas knows something that you do not. Shout out and to Jared Goff. <laughs> and you roll with that. Vegas knew something about what Jared Goff ate for breakfast that day. I, I don't know what it is that Vegas knew. I still don't, even after watching the game. I, I don't really see exactly what it was. But frankly, Detroit looked like the better team throughout the day. And Justin Jefferson was a monster, but it didn't matter. It was the Detroit Lions juggernaut offense that just outpaced them from start to finish. Yeah, and I, I feel like it was – I think the stars were perfect, perfectly aligned. I mean, yeah, I mean, one can say, you know, realistically, I don't know why the line was the way it was because I felt the same way too. But now kind of looking back on it, it just feels like the stars were just perfectly aligned. You know, the Vikings were coming in struggling a lot on defense, yeah. a lot more, because they were putting stats on the screen throughout the game like, oh, the Vikings were struggling here. And there. I was like, well, where were all these stats? You know, we were all so confused as to why the, the Lions were favorites. But then, you know, as I'm watching the game and I'm seeing all these stats come across the screen, I'm like, <laughs> okay, this might be a very long day for the Vikings. And it ended up being a very long day for the Vikings. Jared Goff. You know, he goes off. Shout out to that guy again. This is going to be the only shout out this time. I'm not going to parade the episode with shout outs. I mean, we we obviously are going to talk about it again when we talk about the playoffs because here we are, the Detroit Lions, out of absolutely nowhere. They, they trade for Jared Goff, and two years later, here they are, and it's already reaping the benefits of, 
you know, it was a win-win trade for both sides. Yeah. Rams get a Super Bowl. Lions maybe have gotten their quarterback of the future. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, he's playing plenty good enough to win football games right now. And not just any football games. Minnesota, no matter how you cut it, is a playoff team. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. This is a historically weird season for plenty of reasons. One of them is the fact that Minnesota has a negative point differential and is, I don't know if it's the worst point differential for any 10 win team through the first 13 games of the season, but if not, it's amongst the worst and it's very far away from where typical teams are when they're at 10 wins in the season. So they're a little fraudulent, but they're still a playoff team. And Jared Goff went to town on these guys. He was the dark night for all night long, all day long. And it was fun to watch. The Detroit Lions are fun to watch. And I didn't really think I'd be saying that. Yeah, a year ago. neither did I. Um, but, you know, I... I loved it. I loved the idea of Jared Goff getting a little redemption story in Detroit. I just didn't know that it would happen this fast and this quick. And now they got a, a rookie wide receiver that just came back. Yeah. And he's Jamal, fast. Uh, Jason yeah. Williams is all of a sudden a weapon. And if you look and at their, lightning. Right. If if you look at their receiving core right now, Monter St. Brown's awesome. He's right. gonna be a good player in this league for a long time. Jameson Williams could be awesome. He's one game deep, barely played right. half the snaps if he even did. Uh, so let's not, you know, put him in the Hall of Fame yet or anything. But great start. The first catch, touchdown. You can't beat that. That's right. a good little story in itself. <laughs> I love DJ Chark. I like Josh Reynolds, who came over with Jared Goff from the Rams. So the chemistry has been there for a long time. They really know each other. And, you know, it doesn't end there. They they have Khalif Raymond. They have a, a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. It's not necessarily the best wide receiver room, but it's one of the deepest. And you got to really like what they have going there. And the, the beautiful part about the Lions, and this is my last opinion on the Lions before I'll, I'll give an opinion on the Vikings, is that the beautiful part is, is that this offense, you don't really need to do too much with it in the offseason. Retain yep. your guys and go work on that defense. Because now, if you put the same effort into the defense that you put into the offense, now you're talking about a real contender right now. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you know I don't. I I'm not gonna sit here and say I see the Lions doing anything crazy in the playoffs. I I do think if they make it, they can maybe sneak one or two. Because obviously, they just beat the Vikings. Yeah. So I think you know the possibility that they can maybe sneak a playoff win. Yeah, I can see it. Their offense is disgusting. If they score 30 points, yeah, they can they can beat a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, but they get a defense in this offseason, watch out for Detroit. Yeah, and don't look now, but if they do sneak in, chances are it's as a seven seed. Meanwhile, Minnesota <laughs> would be a two seed. So Yeah, I could is, see that. I could see them sneaking one against Minnesota or Dallas. This is it. And, you know, I, I do wonder, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what, uh, you know, Vegas saw. They didn't think the Vikings were going to really unleash a whole lot of their playbook against a team they could very well see themselves going up against. The Vikings didn't need this win that bad. The Lions really did need this win in order to get in the playoffs. The Vikings blowing the game helps the Lions to get in the playoffs, 
they get to do their learning experience. Maybe it, they threw the game on purpose a little bit. I don't, I don't know because, like, if you're if you're the Vikings and I and I look at the I look at the teams that that could potentially get in, I would much rather face the Giants, the Seahawks, the Commanders. I do not want to see this Detroit team in any scenario because they're going to be the Cinderella team. Yeah. They're going to have the team with nothing to lose and everything to gain. I I don't. Ah, yeah. I don't so know. one other takeaway on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, Dalvin Cook only had 15 carries for 23 yards. They shut Dalvin Cook down, and he was still their leading rusher with 23 yards. But shout out to Aiden Hutchinson. Shout out to Malcolm Rodriguez. And the rest of that front seven, they did a great job. They contained the run. They couldn't contain Justin Jefferson, but they contained him enough where they still won this game. You know? You do that that against a team like the Cowboys? Ha! Yeah, as you see, Dak Prescott does have the capability of just falling apart. And I understand Tony Pollard and Zeke, great one too. It's not nothing like you know the Vikings and what they have right now, but right Lions, they were they build off of that. Yeah, if you're gonna make them follow the same blueprint, and you can hold the rushing game not to 23 yards for leading, right? But if you keep both of those guys at or around 50 yards a pop, then you're gonna force Dak to try and go for 425 yards. That's a different ball game, right? Dak is trying to go for 425 yards. He's probably landing closer to 300 with a couple interceptions. Yeah. So, and yo, my, like my apologies. No, that's it. I, I, I could see that <laughs> matchup being a lot of fun to watch as well, but I don't think the Lions are going to run rampant over the Cowboys defense either. Oh, for sure. That's for it. sure. Yeah. And the last, you know, my last take on the Vikings is, you know, I'm not necessarily too worried for him, but at the same time, it's like I'm not I'm not seeing what I kind of saw because I know in episode one, I was sitting here and I said, you know, it's very good to see them winning these close games. But now we're starting to well, one, they got blew out by blown out by the Cowboys, but now they're losing close games. So it, it's tough. It's tough to see. You know, this is not not something that's going to obviously motivate the Vikings. But at the same time, it, it wasn't, again, I'll always go back to it. It wasn't the playoffs. This is a loss that you can afford. They're well into the playoffs. Figure out your defense, Minnesota. You guys are literally a decent defense away from probably maybe making the Super Bowl. Because I think when it comes to the NFC, it's going to be down to the 49ers, the Eager, the Eagle, oh, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. At the end of the day, one of those four teams, I think, represent the NFC. And for the Vikings to do it, they obviously need to fix this issue, which is their defense. You got a few games to do it, get it done, and you guys probably have a Super Bowl team because, again, I'm an Eagles fan, and inexperience could kill them. With the Cowboys, they're the Cowboys, and with the 49ers, I again, Brock Purdy, I'm just I'm unsure. But give us a lead into Brock Purdy because you were you were huge on Brock Purdy last week. Yeah, listen, that was pretty good. Uh, so I I liked what I saw, and it, it's hard not to. That didn't look like the stuff of the last pick of the draft, and he turned Mr. Irrelevant into Mr. Relevant pretty quickly there. Uh, I think this tells us less about Brock Purdy and more about how right most people were about Jimmy Garoppolo not being all that good, not being all that important to this team. And 
that's why they had no problem benching him for Trey Lance, an upstart, raw talent guy that didn't look like he was there yet at the beginning of the year, because, but they didn't need him to be there yet because they were going to win games anyway. It's a good team no matter who you have behind the center. And Brock Purdy is just a lottery winner getting drafted to this squad and then having a couple guys go down in front of him and starting to play meaningful football. So I think it tells me a lot about Jimmy G, but also a lot about how stacked this 49ers team is. And they, as we speak right now, they're kind of laying it to the Seahawks uh, so far in the first half, at least. Looks pretty lopsided statistically and and ultimately scores 14-3. It's still a lot of football left to play, but I think 49ers are an absolute force. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to disagree with everything you said about Jimmy Garoppolo respectfully. I still think this guy got talent. He's a winner. He knows how to win Patriots way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm starting to, to realize it really doesn't really matter who you put into the quarterback of the 49ers. It's just a really good team. Um, I'm almost at the point where I kind of want to see Nathan Peterman run the, run the ship here in San Fran just to, just to see a, a winning team with Nathan Peterman. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with the 49ers, it was good to see. It was, it's tough to see Tom Brady lose like this. I really don't – I want this guy to retire, but I don't want him to retire. It's it's yeah. tough seeing it. It's, it's tough seeing the best guy to ever play football get get beaten the way he's getting beaten in some of these games. But at the same time, it's also nice seeing him, you know, with those dinky little game winning drives at the end of some of these games. At the same time, so yeah. you know, my my official. I don't think he's done yet. I I think Tom Brady's gonna have a little bit more to to show at the end of this year. Um, I agree, I and, I, yeah, and I've been saying it all year, man. I, I think it's it still feels Brady-ish. It yeah. still feels like he – it's almost like set up to where we all count out Brady, Yeah. and then here comes Brady out of nowhere. The only so. issue is Tom Brady has always had, if not a great offensive line, at least a solid one, and yeah. this is a bad offensive line. They are not doing anything. And, and for him to still be fully healthy is very incredible to me. It's a shock, and I don't know if it can last. I hope it does, because I want to see a little bit more of the the Brady magic. I think we're going to get at least one or two. I don't know if it's going to be just to squeak into the playoffs yeah. or if it's going to be them taking down the Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend. Uh, but I, I do think we're going to see Brady magic <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah. And, you know, my my final opinion on the on the 49ers for right now, because I'm not we're not I can imagine we're not going to go too far into the 49ers when we talk the playoff picture because they're they're definitely in. Um, I I don't see the 49ers going uh, – well, I mean, I can see them going deep because of their talent. But at the same time, my issue with the 49ers is their injuries, man. It, it's every single year. I don't know what they got to do. I don't know if they got to sell their soul to the Illuminati. I don't know if they got to kill a couple goats. I don't know what they got to do. But the 49ers need to find some health. It feels like every single year for the past several years, even back to the Colin Kaepernick days, like this team has just lacked health. And that's the only thing that has ever held this team back was health. It's never been the talent. It's never been any of that. It's just been just been health. Because even even that the year that they made the Super Bowl um, recent, it, it was just it was just a beat up team that, that got to the end. Yeah. And, and now right now it's like they have the best team that I think that they've put on that field. 
even with Brock Purdy as the quarterback. And it's it's health because now Debo has gone for the next three weeks. And we don't know if we're even going to get a healthy Debo for the playoffs. We're still going to cross our fingers that McCaffrey gets there safely because Debo's out now. A lot of pressure is going to go on McCaffrey. So that's a little scary for me. Um, so 49ers, pray you guys get to the to the playoffs safely. Yeah. And I Debo, ultimately, that was scarier than what it turned out to be. Hopefully yeah. it is just a three week thing and he he's back in action. Uh, playoffs are a lot more fun when everybody's full strength. So for I, sure. I do want to see that. Uh, but moving forward, I know there was one other quarterback performance that you wanted to discuss and it was not Brock Purdy. It was not Jared Goff, but somebody else had a pretty knockout performance. Who you got? It was a knockout performance indeed because it knocked me right off of my high horse. So Baker Mayfield, man. Um, for, first and foremost, I'm not, I'm not too salty, right? Because I love Baker Mayfield. I love the story. I love that it was Baker Mayfield. But the Raiders, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fucking Raiders? It's almost as if like, like that whole episode that we did last week was so eerie. Because we did the whole episode, and I'm just like, ah, the Raiders, you know, they're winning the whole episode. I'm just like, all right, here they go. They're about to be one game behind everybody. This is going to be so interesting. I can't wait. Because now they're going to go into into this week with a very, you know, winnable game against uh, the Patriots. A very winnable grudge game that, you know, if they beat the Patriots this week, now they're tied with the Patriots. And, you know, they're looking really good. So that's all gone. Now they're going to have to win some crazy scenario to get into the playoffs, if that's even a thing. I'm going to ride with it to the end, not as heavy as I was last week, because I was basically yelling at the top of my lungs, like, who's going to stop him, Bill? And it was Baker Mayfield that very night, literally like five <laughs> to ten minutes after we ended the podcast. But nonetheless, I'm very happy for Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to apologize to the world about the Raiders. Sorry that, again, you know, you guys believed in the Raiders for whatever reason. I, I'm sorry that I believed in the Raiders for whatever reason. But they let us all down again for the 50th time in the past, like, 15 years. It is what it is. But with Baker Mayfield, what I really want to say is huge. And it, it's like what a change of scenery can do because, like, like look at let, – let's face some facts here. The Cleveland Browns also had nothing of a team, right? The Panthers had nothing of a team. And both teams, we can agree, very toxic. The Panthers have no fucking idea what the direction of their team is. And the Browns are the Browns. Yeah. Like, they, they, they had a good quarterback in Bayfield. They, they had a good uh, team going around him. And they completely threw that away to get Deshaun Watson. And whatever happens there happens. But he had nothing with the Rams. And he had that big comeback win. And they need all of that so that, you know, their pick that they're giving away to the Lions is not the best pick that they could possibly give them. So huge for Baker, um, huge for his career. He needed to show that he could still win games, and he won this game with almost absolutely nothing, and it came down to almost the last play against a team that, you know, had it in the bag at the two-yard line. You know, they're dancing on the field. They're the Raiders. Oh, God damn, you idiots. But they're dancing on the field. They had it, and they lost it. Baker Mayfield, you know, shout out to you, man. You deserve this. You know, you are the built different guy of the week if we if we have one. 
Shout out to Baker Mayfield. We have one now. And I want to just kind of paint a picture of how exactly my timeline of events happened last week. We get done recording this podcast. I go upstairs. I get in my bed. I flip on Amazon Prime. It says game final, Ram 17, Raider 16. And I audibly laughed, woke my girlfriend up laughing because the Raiders lost. And then I had to look at the highlights and how the hell it happened. And then I'm, my wheels are spinning and spinning. What does this mean for the Rams? First, I had to, you know, text and make fun of you. But then, yeah, because my text was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Then I got to thinking, what does this mean for the Rams and where what's their future look like? So Matt Stafford has had trouble staying healthy his good chunk of his career. He's banged up and old now. So does he bounce back stronger next year than he was this year? Mm, Probably not. So if you're the Rams and you're Sean McVay, who do you want at the helm now? Who do you want to quarterback the Rams moving forward? Also, what happens if you give Baker Mayfield a Cooper Cup? Can he be serviceable then? I feel like I could be serviceable with Cooper Cup. But it is Baker Mayfield. We don't know what we have in Baker Mayfield because of such train wreck situations that he's been in through the course of his career. Just like you just defined. So I think the Rams, being that they don't have any draft picks for the next 14 years, they have to roll with Baker. He's the only chance that they have at a future in the quarterback position. And you also have to see what you have with Tutu Atwell, with Van Jefferson, with Cooper Cup in that offense. Tyler Higby is another guy. Like They have the offensive weaponry. They need to rebuild on offensive line, but you can find at least pieces later in the draft. They still have second rounders. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how many, but uh, they have a, a like day two of the draft still that they could try to piece something together with. So the Rams might be okay with Baker and, you know, they've got him on contract. They had to claim the whole contract. You don't just get to claim somebody off waivers and take them for a week they're going to see what they have in them. So I don't, I'm not super familiar with how long he's got left on the contract and everything, but I can't imagine he was with the the Panthers on a one year. So I, I do trust that they're going to have him on the team next year. And I think he's starting, I'm guessing Matt Stafford's uh, in a broadcast booth somewhere next year. Wow. You think Stafford's retiring? You think this is it? I think this is it. I think it has to be. I don't think because he had what two concussions. He had two concussions in like two weeks. I yeah. would be done. Yeah, I got my ring. I'm out. <laughs> right, right. It's not worth what comes next, right? And yeah, because like realistically, what come what comes next is that you're either staying with the Rams and you're going down with the Rams again, like you did yep. this year, or you're going for to a different team out of desperation. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I still think Stafford got some football left in him, but. I just hope he protects himself because that, that is pretty scary what happened to him this year. Yeah. But I think Baker is perfect for L.A. He's cool. He's a cool guy. He, is LA. he has the swagger. He has the moments. I mean, that moment was just so Baker Mayfield cool L.A. Like beat the Raiders, you know, just 
just fuck over the Raiders for no reason at all. Like, just sorry that it had to be the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Oh, good, man. Good so, quickly, um, you know, the Titans falling apart. Uh, my, my take on that is just wow i mean i know these games don't really matter much for the titans but they're making it they're making it like they're showing it it's just like they're not i mean it's they look frustrated but at the same time it also looks like they're not trying and that could hurt them at the end so there are suddenly only two games ahead of jacksonville Uh, there's four to play it's tough to make up two games on somebody uh, with only four games to play but you know it's I don't think they need it right now. I don't think they're playing with absolute utmost heartfelt, meaningful football. It's not what we typically see from the Titans. I spoke earlier in the year about Mike Rabel being just an excellent head coach and really getting his guys to get up and play. It's not happening right now. So there is certainly a level of concern, but let me tell you why I'm not as concerned. They're still going to be playing home football in January. They can figure it out then, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's definitely, you know, a very good point. I think, you know, for the Titans, if I'm being honest with you, and I think this is maybe an opinion that everybody shares, maybe it's too obvious that nobody has said it yet. I think this is the last year for the Titans window that if there is any sliver of a chance that they can win the Super Bowl, I think this is going to be the last year, and I think that door is closed shut, and they got to move on. They got to try something different. So part of me thinks that they're kind of reserving a lot of their energy right now so that if there is one one big last push that they can save all that for the playoffs and go for it. Yeah. I don't know, but I just they're losing some of these games by a lot to where it's looking like they're falling all the way off the tracks. They, they got to watch out for Jacksonville, though. I mean, two games is, is not a lot. Or, I mean, it is a lot to make up in, in four games, but you never know, man. It's Doug Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> He's so done crazier I, shit. I think you're on <laughs> a little bit of something with maybe they're trying to preserve what they have. I don't know if the window's closed because we don't know what Malik Willis is made of yet. We know exactly what Ryan Tannehill is. And I don't know if the window's technically open with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, but we'll see if it opens further or if it shuts with Malik Willis. And I really think that happens next year. Uh, I think they have to make a change and you're not going to get a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis in a draft with 500 football and Tannehill is 500 football. He's the Jeff Fisher of quarterbacks. So you're going to end up middle of the pack. You're going to not be able to draft top talent, but you're not going to win a Super Bowl either. It is what it is. And you can accept that with Ryan Tannehill, but you have to make a move for better or for worse. <laughs> Yo, Jeff Fisher of quarterbacks, man. I love it. So uh, so tell us tell us about um tell us about some Miami, man. That was tough. That, that was, was rough. rough and tough. Yeah. And I don't I didn't I didn't want you to talk about it too much because I know it hurts. It it hurts. But... It does hurt. So Miami's in trouble here. And they need to make some adjustments that they haven't shown the ability to make just yet. They came out and they were playing firework football and passing it deep to a 
to Tyreek. Tua to Waddle. Now Waddle's a little banged up. Tyreek literally icing his ankle between routes. It's unreal what was going on during this game. Chargers got healthy. I need to give a huge shout out to the Chargers here because Herbert looked really good. And I will circle back to when I talked fantasy earlier in the year and saying Miami's a defense I want to target. It's a defense that you can really produce against. So we'll see just how much Herbert pulled everything together here. If he's going to be resurgent and finish this year super strong and be back to, you know, Pro Bowl level, the the Hall of Fame quarterback that everyone's declaring him as before the year started. Uh, but either way, great week for Herbert, great week for Mike Williams, great week for the Chargers all around. Uh, I like that Miami was able to shut down Eckler pretty good. I like that Tyreek was able to battle through injury. Outside of that, not much to like about that game. And we, I walked into that game saying we needed to run the ball. We didn't run the ball. I walked into that game saying we need to get some shorter passes and let these guys run with it. We didn't do that either. And there were some drops. I don't think it was all Tua, but clearly not a great Tua game. I I think he was a few feet off of some passes that he's normally on the money on. And this offense is designed in a way that you can't be a few feet off. I need Miami to make some adjustments and until they do it, I don't know if Miami is going to do enough to make the playoffs because what seemed like a certainty for a little while is all of a sudden very up in the air and going into Buffalo to play maybe in some snow this weekend, a little scared for the Dolphins. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, when it when it comes down to the Dolphins, that was scary, man. Uh, Tua was like five completions for like 18 throws at one point. It just wasn't – nothing was clicking. It, it's yeah. just not what you want to see. I mean, because, yeah, there's a game where the team struggles, but then there's just a game where just nothing clicks offensive and defensively. I mean, yeah, you like that they shut down Eckler, um, but it, it was just – it just felt like nothing was working. Uh, Herbert, yeah, I, I like that he lit it up. I think this was a win that, you know, saves their season in a way. They definitely needed this win. Better late than never to make this this push to, to the playoffs with, you know, the Jets and the Patriots kind of falling off a little bit, as I predicted. Um, I mean, I also predicted the Raiders would uh, beat out the Chargers. And, you know, here we are. But, you know, the Chargers, they're definitely... They're, they're a threat if they can, you know, they can keep their health. But, you know, with Miami... My thing always has been this year is that it just feels like every time they get everything together where everybody is healthy and everything, and then they're just not. There's always like a piece missing with Miami, and it's just the unfortunate thing because, you know, hopefully um, I'm, I'm not writing them off or anything. I'll never write off Miami because I, I still I still love the blueprint with, you know, Tua throwing the waddle and Hill. They got a good offensive line when it's healthy. And then their defense, I believe, can get it done, you know, given given specific scenarios. But going into next year, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're going to have to focus on health and then, you know, maybe having better backups for some of these guys. Because when some of these guys like Armstead go down, it's just such an obviously, you know, big hole that, you know, it just sucks the life out of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't have that. And, and then the same, yeah. the same thing, you know, with Waddle and Hill banged up. Tua shouldn't look this bad. 
And no. I'm not and I'm not taking this as a hit to Tua, but there has to be something better for him there. There has to be something because he shouldn't be five and eighteen at no. all. And, and he finished and ten of twenty eight. It's yeah. the, the five of eighteen was eye opening in itself, but even the, the final line, man, ten of twenty eight is not what you're looking it's, for. It's it's scary and it's just like it for the, it almost feels like there was just nothing there for him. I don't yeah. I'd have to go back and really watch that game play by play to see if it was either Tua or if it was the schemes that were run or if it there was just nothing there and he was trying to make something happen uh but yeah I mean I don't know so something something is broken there um but like I said it's just it's the unfortunate thing with Miami where they just haven't had it all all together at one point this season and when they have or my bad I, I should go back and say they haven't had it when they needed it the most and coming down this stretch it seems like they may not have everything together but uh, again, this is another situation where I hope Miami can go just like just like San Fran. I wish you guys yep. the best of luck, and I wish you guys nothing but health because you guys are an exciting team that yeah. I think can really make some noise, just like the 49ers, But health, right, right, and you make a great point with Toronto Armstead. He was available to play at least against the Chargers, but man, he, now he's got a, he's got three different injuries. It's a, I believe, it, I know it's a toe. I believe it's a knee and some something upper body as well. It's not looking great for Toronto Armstead. He, the guy is tough as nails playing through three injuries. And everybody's banged up at this time of the year. So every guy on that field is tough as nails, but some are just a little tougher even. But a banged up Toronto Armstead, certainly better than what the backup is, just still isn't really getting the ground game going the way we need it to. And that's something that we need to commit to and we need to make it work because we need some damn linebackers back in the box. They were dropping linebackers about 18 yards deep, just like San Fran was. And that's two weeks in a row that Tua just didn't look himself because a, you're playing a respectable defense which we weren't doing right. for the weeks prior and B they figured it out a little bit. They know the depth of, t- of the average depth, the target for Tua and it's almost all the throws are in the same areas. So and you just drop back and it's a lot harder to dink it over their heads. And I, I don't, I, I don't understand how Miami isn't getting this running game together because you have Tyreek and Waddle. Yes, they're you know they're banged up. Of course, you know they're they're gonna be banged up. You know it's the the NFL season, and they're fast, incredible yeah. athletes that teams are targeting when they tackle. They're targeting them in ways to hurt them. You know it is what it is. It's the NFL way. Yeah. But um, you know when you're not running the ball and you're also not throwing the ball short, what it it's <laughs> yeah. And your receivers are deep receivers. I I just. That creates you know, the, a lot of free and outs yeah. and or at least maybe one first down and then three plays and out. Especially when Tua was looking like he was about to be one of the best game managers that NFL has ever seen. Right, <laughs> right. So it, it's just strange. But then uh, also, why can't you run the, a run the ball when there are linebackers 18 yards down the field? Right. I haven't seen a single halfback draw yet. Not one. Not even by accident. It's the play that you call against that. And I'm easy first down. Right, right. And I'm yeah. I'm 
calling this from my Madden playbook. I don't understand why Mike McDaniel, a very, very smart coach, is not finding these in-game adjustments, especially with the running game that San Francisco had last year with the same running backs. Yeah. We have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. The only guy we don't have is Debo Samuel. But guess what? We have other receivers that are capable. We yeah. have guys. I love, I love you. I love your guys' running core. I, I believe, like, I'm yeah. not saying it's a, a top three running core, but it's something that can no. do it, two things that you need done up the middle, outside. So Yeah, I'm not saying that it should be the best, but it should be sufficient, and it's not right Sufficient now. enough to be used. so So, let's start there and then we'll see we've got big game in buffalo this week that's an exciting one miami's practicing in a dome with the ac blasting as hard as it can go to try and replicate snowy conditions a brisk 50 degrees inside the practice dome and we're probably looking at uh, 35 or so it's not going to be absolutely zero out there but it's going to be a little different than playing in it's Miami. It's going to be a fun one for you, Bill. Yeah, it, it's going to be – it should be interesting. <laughs> I hope there's still some football that I would like to be watching come the second half. I also love that it's on Saturday. Saturday football is awesome. I think I agree. have one game flex to Saturday a lot more frequently throughout the year. I know it steps on college football, so it's a bit. But, hey, some people are only going to watch NFL and not college anyway. I'd like to see a little bit more NFL college, on Saturdays. I'm not going to lie. College to football sometimes can be tough for me to watch. It depends those, who it those is. Those high-scoring right? games are rough sometimes. Yeah, and depend if you're an under-better, those can get uh, really rough. But <laughs> college football is also some of the most exciting football there is, too, at times. So pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, but I want Saturday football either way. My um uh, my my final shout out for week 14 before we move on is, you know, shout out to the Eagles. I'm becoming more and more of a believer every week. This team looks great. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is running away as MVP in my opinion. You know, I think he he's creating some separation between him and Patty Mahomes. Mahomes having a very stellar season, don't get me wrong, but now the Eagles are I believe now 12 and one, which is uh, ridiculous. And it's insane that not only is Jalen Hurts playing the best football of his, of his life, but Miles Sanders, someone that struggled in this Eagles system last year and something that Eagles fans were outcrying and begging. Like, it's kind of like what you're going through now. Eagles fans were begging the Eagles to use the running game last year and thought that, it was the missing piece. Like the Eagles missing piece last year of being something more than just a, a bottom playoff team was figuring out the running game. Seems like they done that this year because these random 100-yard outbursts from Miles Sanders are ridiculous compared to everything else that's going on because we yeah. have the receivers are going off. The Jalen Hurts is going off. The defense is great. The special teams is even like doing special things. I love it. I'm sold. Dilly dilly, the Eagles train is full uh, full steam ahead. You know, I still I still have my reservations because I'm an Eagles fan, so I I have doubt in my hand, my head placed. But you know what? I'm here for it. And listen, the the most encouraging thing to me uh, is this week, this past week, uh, there are two milestones that got hit. Uh, number one, Miles Sanders, thousand yard rusher on the season, it's up to a thousand sixty eight yards. 
first running back for the Eagles to hit 1,000 yards since 2014. A.J. Brown also hit 1,000 yards. First wide receiver to hit 1,000 yards in Philly since 2014. So you mean to tell me that the Eagles, who have been solid since 2014, haven't had either a running back or a wide receiver go over 1,000 yards? I just want to remind you that over the course of a 16-game season, which it's been for almost all of that, over the course of a 16-game season, to get to 1,000 yards, you only need to average 62.5 yards a game. Nobody's done that. Nobody. And the Eagles are still playing winning football over that span. So now and that's why that before that has been able to do what they've done without that. And you have a real true blue wide receiver one and a real true blue running back one. Plus, obviously, a huge, huge improvement at quarterback. Life is good in Philly right now. I'll say that. It is, man, and that and that's kind of what makes me nervous about this Eagles team. Is like you said, we've ne- it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had a Deshaun Jackson capable wide receiver, or we've had a shady capable running back. So you know, it, it's it's different because the the teams that we've had since then, like you said, we've had some good teams, but we've had some messy teams that just got the job done here and there. And I think the fucking Lord for making Nick Foles a thing and putting Nick Foles on this earth because um, any Eagles relevancy since then has been him. And then a very small touch of Carson Wentz um, and now Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts. So, uh, you know, shout, shout out to the Eagles. That's out to the Eagles. I, I can't wait silly. to see what happens. I'm scared, but optimistically scared. <laughs> so let's talk some playoffs. I want to first kind of set the scene here. So, we have for the AFC to start off Kansas city is currently up there with Buffalo. One of them are pretty much guaranteed for the number one spot. Uh, we have the Bengals and the Titans who are essentially locked into playoff positions, whether or not Bengals take the division or not is to be remains to be said. Uh, but Titans are pretty much taking theirs and likely to end up as the number four team in the AFC. Uh, the Ravens basically need one more win to lock in uh, Lamar Jackson being banged up. Who knows when they're going to get it? Uh, Tyler Huntley being banged up. More of a question mark as to when they're going to get that win. But the Ravens should be in the playoffs as well. So essentially we have five teams locked in. Very similar to the NFC, which I'll circle back to in a minute. So that means we have two spots up for grabs. And we have Miami with eight wins. And then we have the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Jets all with seven wins. With only four games left in the season, might be time to kiss the Raiders goodnight, as well as the rest of the AFC, realistically. Uh, So, really, we have – we want to figure out, out of those four teams, Miami, New England, LA Chargers, New York Jets, which two of those are going to get in? I mean, I, th- I think at this point, it's quite obvious Dolphins and Chargers, right? What scares me a little bit is that the Dolphins, they are going to go from playing the Bills, then they're going to go on and play uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's probably going to be high off his ass on shrooms with nothing to lose at this point. And then he's going to go and face the Jets and the Patriots, who very well could be at that point 
in a position where either one of those two teams are going to be playing for their life. So that's the thing that scares me about the Dolphins, but I do think they pull it off because I just trust the Dolphins. Let's walk through that. And and what do you feel happens? So first off, they need three wins to clinch. If they get three of these wins, they're pretty locked in. uh, I think they get two. I think they get two for sure. I think one comes from Buffalo or Green Bay and one comes from the Jets or the Patriots. I don't think they're going to get both of the Jets and the Patriots wins. I think they get one. And then I think they'll obviously get the win against uh, Green Bay. But I don't know. I think the this Dolphins and Bills game is going to tell us a lot of the story of what's going to happen for the rest of the Dolphins season. Because what can happen is that if the Bills go in and they absolutely smack the living um, crap out of the Dolphins, I feel like this could take a lot of the wind out of the sails for the Dolphins where, again, you know, here comes Aaron Rodgers out of nowhere and we all know what Aaron Rodgers can be capable of in a game that means absolutely nothing. And then now we're looking at the Dolphins fighting for their life against the, the Jets and the Patriots who, again, the Jets, they're facing the Lions and the Jaguars. And then they're going to be facing the Seahawks and the Dolphins. It could happen for the Jets. The Jets could very much be in a position up up, up into that point. Uh, but again, it's the Dolphins. I trust Tua. I, I trust that whole team. I trust them to get it done. I think they win two out of these last four. They get in. I know they need three to clinch. I think two will get the job done. And then the Chargers, I, I just think everything is coming together at the right time for them. I know I counted them out earlier. Um, in the season, but I just think how I didn't, I just didn't think that the health was going to come back at the right time, but the health is coming back at the right time. And it seems like it's sticking this time. So when they're facing the Titans that are falling apart, the Colts that have fallen apart, the Broncos that are dead in the water and, uh, the Ram uh, that is the Rams. LAR is the Rams, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm horrible with these abbreviations, but the, the Rams, you know, when, when they're facing those four teams, um, I think it's set in stone that, that the Chargers are one of these teams. Um, hey, maybe they blow it, but I, I don't I don't see it against these four teams. So I think the Chargers, set in stone, I put them up there. And it's going to be a dogfight with these other three teams. But with the Patriots, rest of their schedule, I can't see it. And I think it comes down to the, to the Jets and the Dolphins. I see the Dolphins edging out the Jets because with the Jets and everything they got going on, especially if they're going to keep – if they're going to throw Mike White in with some broken ribs – um against the lions don't don't know don't know even though i'm gonna pre- i'm gonna do something crazy at the end of this podcast but i don't know <laughs> so i think uh i i believe you're probably right i, I hope think... i didn't scare you too much bill with with those analogies <laughs> no no that's all right the the chargers i think are the one team that i'm locking into the playoffs like yeah. you said i think that schedule uh Playing against Titans is no small task, but it's a winnable game. And then you get Colts, Broncos, Rams. You are gifted three games that I do think the Chargers find a way to blow one of those, but I think they come out three and one. And I think that's plenty to get in. The Dolphins, I think you're a little wrong on the outcome of this Bills game and how it can really set the scene for the rest of the season. I do think it means something whether or not they get blown out or not, but I think kind of just the opposite. I think a heartbreaking close game loss 
will take the wind right out of the sails of the Dolphins. And I think that's what would be bad for them is if they lose a close one. If they get blown out, I think that's the closing argument of the giant wake-up call that was this three-game road trip. And we knew when we set sail for California, when we were going to San Francisco, and then we were going to play at LA Chargers, and then we were going to come back and play to land in Miami for a minute and then fly up to Buffalo, we knew this was going to be hard. We knew that if we got one out of these three, we'd be feeling pretty good out of it. So realistically, I think if we get absolutely destroyed, we're going to chalk it up to, listen, we haven't slept in three weeks. We've got jet lag still, and we got punched in the mouth, and we got punched in the mouth really hard. But this is where good teams prove themselves, is if you can get back up from that. I think they're going to have an easier time, just the way that they're built up and the way that Mike McDaniel coaches. And also, if we end up resting some players for the fourth quarter, which we would in a blowout, I think that could be something that really changes the trajectory of the remaining three games. I just, I don't know, because I, I see I see a close game um, against the Bills, like a very good competitive close game as something that the Dolphins would need, win or lose, because you after these last couple of weeks, you just want to see your team work. You just, you just want to see your team yeah. perform. And if, if it is a close loss, at the very least, you know, you you have a couple of adjustments to make against a team like the Bills sure. if you see them in the playoffs. And at the same time, I just think a blowout is just like, damn. Yeah. I, damn. I, I mean, either way, I just think I think a loss is horrible. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think a loss to the Bills right here is just horrible. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying must win because, again, it's, it's the Jets and the Patriots we're talking about here. But... Oh, yeah. it's getting exciting, Bill. It's getting, it's getting very exciting. exciting. So the the other side of this is the Patriots, who we play in the second to last game. We've played spoiler to them a bunch of times. So Bill Belichick is not going to shy away from bringing his A game and, and really putting in the extra work to try and beat us. And then the Jets game, I think in looking at the Jets schedule, who the Jets play the Lions – the Jaguars, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. Frankly, those are four winnable games. The Jets have the defense to stop the Lions, to stop the Jags, to stop the Seahawks, and be riding a three-game win streak into Miami. So, meaning if Miami doesn't win two out of those other three, they'll already be ahead of the Dolphins. But if they're tied up with the Dolphins going into Week 18, then all of a sudden this might be flexed to Sunday night football in week 18 and might be a play-in game between the Dolphins and Jets. So that's something that's very realistic possibility. Uh, the Pats, I agree, have the hardest schedule. They're against the Raiders, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills. I think the Patriots are dead in the water, but they'd love to play spoiler. So I think it's going to be really interesting for the AFC the rest of the way. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see the Patriots losing the next two. I, I, I could see it. well not against the Raiders. I don't I don't uh, see that one. I know you do, uh, but I, I hope that's in your money line ticket later on. But we'll uh, we'll circle into that in a little well, little while. Uh, but let's jump over to the NFC uh, to similarly set the scene. Uh, we have the Eagles up top, Minnesota and the 49ers to follow, Cowboys 
up there in the record, but being at the same division, they're largely locked into the top wild card spot. And then we have the absolute shit show that is the NFC South. We don't need to really talk a whole lot about that, but we do feel the Bucks are probably going to pull out of that. Now, basically five teams locked in since somebody from the NFC South has to get in. And then we have four teams fighting for two spots. So very similarly, we have uh, the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants both at seven and five and one, thanks to a tie on Sunday Night Football. And we have the Seattle Seahawks at seven and six, the Lions at six and seven. Looks like Seattle is well on their way to seven and seven, which is going to put the Lions half game behind and Washington Giants uh, each a game and a half ahead. So the Lions, baby, I didn't even realize they were getting this handed to them holy shit listen sorry they, i didn't mean to react like that but <laughs> wow i didn't realize they're, that they're still gonna have to climb above either the commanders or the giants who do play each other so one of these teams in theory are going to end up with their sixth loss uh but maybe they tie again that would be wild but um in theory one of them's gonna end up with a sixth loss which would only put them pretty much a game behind uh, should they be 7-6-1. and one. It's really a half game behind if the Lions win and one of those guys lose. So it's very much within reach, but we'll take a look at schedules first here and then let me know who you've got taking these top two spots. I mean... Watching the Giants play each other. So, of course, Washington's first game is against the Giants. Then they have Niners, Browns, and Cowboys. Tough. Tough slate for the Commanders. The Giants have Washington, of course. Then they have Vikings, Colts, and Eagles. Three out of four are tough games. Seattle's got Niners, Chiefs, Jets, and Rams. Two and a half of those are very tough. Rams, less tough. Detroit has the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. They have about a half a tough game on their schedule. So you're telling me the Lions who started off. What, what I love it. I love it. I mean, shout out to shout out to Detroit and Jared Goff, man. I love it. I, I didn't know they were in a position like this. Are they out one game or two games right now from a playoff spot? So it, it game and a half technically with that tie. It's the weird tie, but okay. So I, I don't know. So when when I go down the list, um, the commanders, I, wow, that that is tough for them. I think, wow. A lot of this is going to depend on, I I think I'm crossing off the Seahawks, um, them losing to the 49ers and the way they're losing right now, that has to hurt, especially now that they're going to have to face the chiefs. Then they're going to have to face a jets who are fighting for the same exact thing. And I like the jets way more as a team than I like the, the Seahawks, and then, yeah, I mean, they, they'll they have a winnable game against the Rams, but by then it should be too late. So that leaves me with three teams. So, I mean, everything in me wants to say that it, it's going to be the Commanders and Giants, but then I look at this Lions schedule, and how, and then I look at the Commanders schedule. How do the Commanders n- come out of this alive? I yep. think a lot of this is going to depend on what happens in this game against the Commanders and Giants. Because I believe if the Commanders win, they can effectively save their season. 
But if the Giants win, I think they're going to knock the Commanders right out because, again, I don't think the Commanders can beat the 49ers or the Cowboys, let alone they're going to struggle against the Browns. So, yeah. Absolutely see whoever loses out of the Commanders and the Giants, I could see them losing out. Yeah. And their saving grace is they're currently ahead of the Seahawks and the Lions. So I I'm gonna go Giants and Lions. I'm going oh man. So I really I came in here. I had everything scripted to say commanders and lions. Because I do think the Commanders are going to take this game. Mm -hmm. But, man, the Giants could take that Colts win to gain that back. I think they'll take the Colts and the Eagles win. Because the Eagles are going to definitely be resting that last week. They're going to have nothing to play for. There's going to be no reason to put anybody on the field whatsoever. Except to eliminate the Giants from the playoffs. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time with what's at stake. They're injured all over the place. Yeah, so but like with Eagles with what's or the Giants backups? Yeah, I, I trust the Giants backups um and what they have because I mean they they've gotten this far right. I mean they've they've gotten to the point where we're discussing if they're gonna make the playoffs or not, which is they got you know, it is for far, for what they, it is. They barely got this far, so I, yeah. I want to remind you of the streak that they're currently on. Uh so the Giants. Can we cancel? Off. Can we cancel all of them besides the Lions and just throw the Packers in to see like Aaron Rodgers fall on his face? I would love to see that. So the Giants' last win, actual win, was against the Texans. Prior to that, against the Jaguars, and so their last, their last real, their last win, aside from the Texans, was in October. And here we are approaching Christmas. God, man. The Giants are cold as ice. You almost make me want to go Seahawks and Lions here because like when it comes to the when it comes to these three teams, when it comes to the Commanders, the Giants, and the Seahawks, I feel like they're all about to lose a lot of these games. But if there's one thing I trust out of any of these three teams, it's either Tyler Henneke or Pete Carroll. And I just feel like if there's one thing I trust the most, it's Pete Carroll to somehow figure his way into the playoffs with Geno Smith more than I would trust the Commanders and Giants who literally fucking tied a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So my final verdict, I am going Commanders and Lions because really I think... I, I think I think we're going to come to an agreement here. I mean, I don't like the schedule that the Commanders have for the rest of the year, no, but, but I but feel I like they're going to... I'm going to agree with you and say that they're going to beat the Giants. And then I think they are going to pull an upset on either the 49ers or the Cowboys and also beat the Browns. Tyler Henneke got it in them. Three wins is guaranteed a spot yeah. in that. If that's what you're calling, the commanders have no chance yeah. of missing out. If they go two and two in this slate, they're absolutely making it as well. Yeah, so um, I think I think two and two is, is what I'm predicting. Um, but at the same time, I also can see three and one with an upset win over the Cowboys yeah. or the 49ers. Because with the Giants, I mean, they're just falling apart. I still don't believe in Daniel Jones. I don't think I'm ever going to believe in that guy, even if he's getting 300 yards a game. But, yeah. And the Lions, it's just I can't deny that. They're on such a run right now. I mean, when you like you said, when you go from 0-5 to what they're doing right now, I can't call that a fluke. I can't call that something that's unbelievable or luck or anything. Like They just beat the Vikings. I'm yep. not. I'm not seeing them slowing down against the. I mean, 
the Jets is the hardest game here. And yeah. then you get the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. And by then, I think the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is going to be so far gone and done in that last game of the season that I just think Lions are going to get in there, take care of business, clinch the playoffs, and yeah. run away with it. Yeah, so. I the Lions are honestly my lock out of this group. and Which is crazy. I, I love <laughs> that. This is a, like, did you think, though, going into this fucking season – that we were going to argue the last two playoff spots to be down to the Commanders, the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Lions. No. I, I put money on the Seahawks to miss the playoffs at like minus 450 odds or something like that. Oh, my God. Because it's like we're Great missing money, the Packers, the Rams, the yeah. like all these teams, the Saints. The NFC South oh. should have had two representatives. The, they're going to have one, and frankly, that one probably shouldn't be in. Then if you look at the NFC North, yes, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if it was two teams, but it had to be Packers and Vikings, period. Then you it's look okay. at the NFC West, I the 49ers, yes, but the the Rams should have been there. Uh, these there's a bunch of teams that just aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. Then the NFC yeah. East is always a question mark. You never know who's going to get in. Never know. I, I will listen. Eagles and Cowboys don't surprise me at all. But if you told but me they're the, the Eagles and Cowboys, <laughs> you told me the Commanders or the Giants were going to get in as well. I'm on board with it. But for both to be in the running here, that's wild division. The Lions, though. That's not one I expected. Everything yeah. else I can I can come up with a story for, but the Seahawks and the Lions, just no way. No way in hell would I expect so, to be saying they're fighting for a playoff spot. And may, maybe even a winning record. <laughs> so yeah. All right, so give us some Bills block then. All right, folks, so Bill's block took an absolute hit since recording on Thursday. Uh, so this is a live update from Saturday just before kickoff. I did have to pull a huge audible, had Mike White as a quarterback, obviously inactive. News broke pretty soon after the podcast got recorded. Uh, so that's super unfortunate. We were really looking at... Looking forward to Mike White versus Jared Goff. I thought that was going to really create a tasty matchup for Garrett Wilson as well. Uh, taking those two out really didn't have a direct pivot at the same price point. So if you're feeling frisky and you want to try to roll the dice with Zach Wilson, feel free. Just understand that Garrett Wilson hasn't performed quite to the level with Zach Wilson as he has with literally any other quarterback. Uh, so I do recommend a pivot. And here's where I went. I'm taking Jalen Hurts, uh, the number one dog against Chicago. Uh, we talked at a different point where Tom doesn't really feel uh, that Chicago is going to be the great matchup for Hurts. I, I could see it being a Miles Sanders game. I had him originally as well, had to pivot there as well. I really don't think both are going to produce, uh, so it could be a Sanders day. Uh, but there is a chance that they both produce. I think either way, Hurts has a solid floor. But I think he's really breaking the ceiling here. I think he's good for about 30. Uh, so really might be the must-have, being that there are a lot of other quarterback matchups that are pretty locked down for the higher talent quarterbacks. And then you're looking at uh, some tougher matchups for the value plays. So I don't really like it as much. Outside of Zach Wilson's matchup, that's great. But again, I can't trust Zach Wilson at all. 
for running backs, going Tony Pollard for sure against Jacksonville. It is a great matchup. I think he'll score quite a few. Uh, really, I'm banking on two touchdowns there. I also have Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Pacheco going up against Houston. That's the matchup everybody wants from a running back standpoint. Understanding it was a close game last week against the Cowboys. I don't think they get up for another one against Kansas City. I think they run away with it, and Pacheco uh, does a lot of the late damage, particularly rips off a few chunk plays, should score well. For receivers, going Christian Kirk as my top guy against Dallas. Uh, really, Trayvon Diggs may cover. It doesn't scare me much. May shadow, rather, uh, but doesn't scare me a ton. Dallas gives up a pretty average amount against uh, the receiver, but I do think if this turns into a boat race, uh, Trevor Lawrence does have the ability to step up, keep this close game. He's shown that in two of the last three. So I think Christian Kirk should produce. I like Drake London. I think Desmond Ritter is a much better fit for his skill set than Marcus Mariota. So I think we see Drake London start to become what he's really capable of. And then I have Chris Moore. Uh, Chris Moore against Kansas City. Uh, again, if Kansas City does really pull out ahead and Pacheco produces, uh, game script will cause Davis Mills to chuck the ball a lot. And Chris Moore is shown to be his favorite guy with Brandon Cooks out. For tight end, went value. I'm going with Chig Okonkwo. Uh, this is starting to become a household name that some people can now pronounce. Uh, but Chig has definitely performed over the last few weeks, becoming one of Tannehill's favorite targets. This guy's built more like a wide receiver than a tight end. And there's not many receivers in ten Tennessee. So ultimately, Okonkwo should have a decent target share. My number one play landed in the flex here is Mike Williams. Mike Williams against Tennessee. That secondary is awful. And Justin Herbert absolutely loves having his guy back. Mike Williams should slaughter today. Uh, then for defense, I've got Chicago as my target. I'm running with Philly. Uh, Philly should have several sacks. Justin Fields likes to run into sacks, even if it's a one-yard sack and doesn't mean as much to the game. Uh, that's fantasy points. So understanding that, it's worth paying up for Philly. Uh, that wraps up Bill's block. Good luck, ladies and gentlemen. Win some Tom, over you for Tom's intuition. Yes. So I'm not, I'm not going to hit you guys with three. It's, it's getting hard to come up with three real bullshit things. Now that my, it's, it's funny now that I'm doing this podcast, my, my NFL, um, it's more so stat and knowledge based more than my intuition. So I'm giving up a lot of my intuition and we're going to go with one thing, but we're going to keep the Kyler Murray trade going, uh, train going. And First off, I want to say absolutely sad for the guy. Real sad way, you know, to go out this year. It was a very miserable year all around, you know, in Arizona with Kyler Murray, everything. But to go over to, you know, my, my intuition pick, I think that's his last start as a Cardinal. I think that's the last time we're going to see him on the field as a Cardinal. Um, yeah, he's going to get a whole offseason to rest, but I think – if there if there's anything that the story is kind of screaming to me is that either a he's gonna sit out the entirety of next year and rehab his leg and then enter you know free agency and get a new deal or he's gonna force a trade whatever the case may be I think that was his last um, start as a cardinal and it is very unfortunate because you know for Kyler he had a very bright future in baseball if he had chosen that route um, you know the athletics suck but. I, I do think that he had a bright future in baseball. Football was a big risk. He still got paid. He still got his millions. You know, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, 
he still technically chose right. But at the same time, you know, it's just unfortunate because when you start as good as you did, you got Arizona back going um, when, you know, it, it didn't really look like Arizona had much going for them. But they got Kyler Murray. They got the team going again. And then that's when the pressure came in. And then the media, they, they chewed up Kyler. They spit him right out. And unfortunately, I think the chapter is closed. But I wouldn't mind a, a sick redemption arc. But I, I think that's it because, you know, I think Hopkins is going to end up finding his way out of Arizona because he only has, a, uh, in my opinion, he only has a couple of uh, elite years left. He's not going to want to spend them in Arizona. And, you know, the rest of the team, they're going to they're going to want to rebuild. And that's they're going to want to get they're going to want to get what they can for Kyler. And Hopkins would absolutely attract some serious trade bait. So by all means, I could see that coming. It's a contract that's manageable enough. Uh, so, you know, a couple suspension type things. And I could see Hopkins on his way out. Uh, but Kyler specifically, listen, it's tough to Billy B. in a quarterback that's coming off of an injury like that. Uh, so I don't know who else is really going to sign up for Kyler 2.0, uh, but I could see it. I don't think things are working quite the way they expected to in Arizona. So I think a change has to be made. It's just how does that happen? And I don't want to see Kyler Murray becoming Cam Newton and finding his way out of the NFL entirely after an injury like that. Uh, but I, I wish the man the best. I, I hope that he does have a successful and quick recovery. Hopefully he is on the field, no matter who it's for next year. Uh, but, you know, I, I'll i be watching intently either way. For sure. And to to wrap up the show, we're going to wrap this up with, with some good old five-on-five. Five. Um, I'm going to get it started with, with my team choices. But before we do that, down below are our records. It's getting good. It's getting close. It's getting, it's getting hot and sweaty. We still don't have a prize or anything like that yet. You know, a matter of fact, I'm gonna hold. We're gonna. I'm gonna hold us to it. We will have something like that for you guys next week. We're gonna have some kind of victory, bragging right kind of thing set up, because um, we need something to fight for here besides just bragging rights. Um, so we'll have something set up for you guys. But I'm gonna go with my picks here. Um, let me pull up my phone real fast, and I'm gonna cut out the pulling up my phone. But <laughs> I'm making some editing for myself now. Yeah, there we go. So I feel less bad. I know I said what I said about Jared Goff and the Lions, but I can't go against my gut. For some odd reason, I feel like the Jets are going to beat the Lions. I just I feel it in my gut. I feel some some New York Jets shit happening, and I have the Jets beating the Lions. Don't ask me what logic I have put into that. I just I just see it. It's in New York. It, it just, I, I, I feel it. It's just some Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Woo! It's some, Something's going to happen there. Now, the second game, I have the Panthers beating the Steelers. Um, I liked what I saw um, out of Aaron Donald last week, and I think it's going to be it's gonna be good enough to beat the Steelers because I didn't like what, what I saw out of the Steelers, and that's just, that's just my plain logic. I liked what I saw out of the Panthers, didn't like what I liked out of the Steelers. The line's at negative 2.5. Go Panthers. So I have the Buccaneers over the Bengals. Buccaneers need a win. They need a bad. Tom Brady knows it. Tampa Bay knows it. Their coaches know it. They all know it. 
Um, the Bengals, they're they're very cool, calm, and collected. I think it's the perfect um, perfect storm for Tom Brady to come and get a nice little comeback to the season, get a win. Because if they don't win here, then then we're kind of going to be looking like, okay, what's going to happen here? Especially if the ped, the Panthers beat the Steelers, because then the Panthers and the Buccaneers will be tied at that point. And I just can't see that happening. I, I just can't. So. I'm either shooting myself in the foot with these picks and Bill's going to be ahead of me after this week um or I'm going to be I'm going to look like a genius. <laughs> no, but um so the reason why I'm picking the Broncos over the Cardinals is because this is going to be one of those bad games um that we're we're just going to end up love watching that we're going to get some backup quarterbacks and everything. But overall, I think the Broncos have a better team than the Cardinals and uh you know what? Maybe Maybe Russell Russell Wilson's backup is gonna do better than him. Ripen season, baby. <laughs> All right, cool. And then the Raiders, I have them beating the Patriots. I'm sticking with this Raiders train until the wheels are off. Until someone looks me in the eye and says the Raiders are eliminated from playoff contention, I am still gonna be here with the Raiders. I think they beat the Patriots. I think they're pissed off again, and you don't want to see the Raiders pissed off because the issue with the Raiders is that they got comfortable with the Rams, and that's why they lost. They got comfortable. Give me your five, Bill, because these five, I think, I, I'm giving you those five picks I am so nervous about. I, I might be giving it to you, but. I, I can see why you're nervous, and one thing you got right, you don't want to play the Raiders when they're angry because I feel like the Raiders, of all teams, are the ones that might get a little stabby when they're angry. They play on emotion. Yeah, so, you know, nobody's trying to get shanked out on the field, so nobody wants to play the Raiders when they're angry. Uh, so I do have a couple that are completely head-to-head against you, as we typically end up having. Uh, so nothing aligned this week, which is good. I've got the Lions over the Jets. Uh, so I do trust this train. It's too much momentum, too much drama with New York. I think the matchups I, – I, think the Lions end up putting up more points than the Jets are capable of putting up. And the one thing that the Lions did better last week on defense is they shut down Dalvin Cook. If they can shut down Dalvin Cook, then I think they can shut down Bam Knight. I think they can shut down the Jets' run game, which has primarily been their main source of offense. So I got the Lions over the Jets. I've got the Commanders over the Giants. We both agree on that. But ultimately, it's definitely one that I have to pick because it is this, the honorary mention game of the week. Uh, the Titans, I've got taking down the Chargers. I think the Chargers are real high on their horse after the uh, win over the Dolphins last week. I think they crashed back down to earth. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring affair, uh, but Chargers can typically get run on. They've been very stingy against the run recently. So, again, I think they're just going to get a little overconfident here. They're still banged up. Those injuries have to catch up on them on the defensive side, even though the offense is now healthy. I think Derrick Henry has a huge day. I've got the Patriots over the Raiders. And should that happen, I get to look you in the eyes next week and tell you that the Raiders are out of the playoffs. Uh, And I've got the Browns over the Ravens. I think Deshaun Watson uh, starts airing it out a little bit more and, you know, Brown's press conferences have said as much Uh, beyond that. I think the Ravens just aren't cut out to win without Lamar Jackson. So Tyler Huntley gets the start or Anthony Brown does if Tyler Huntley can't 
complete concussion protocol. Uh, but either way, I don't think the Ravens are going to have what it takes. I don't think they're built for it without Lamar. So I do have the Browns pulling it out. Uh, that said, I don't think Nick Chubb has a good game at all. I think Nick Chubb ends up with single digit fantasy points yet again. Uh, so feel free to take some under props as my bonus bet uh, under the rushing yards on Nick Chubb, wherever that might be. Realistically, if you want to bump it down, if you are able to, I, I could see him getting under 60 yards. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, with my five touchdown scores, I'm, I like, you know, what you said with the Browns airing it out because I kind of align with that. Um, I think week over week, um, we're going to continue to see Deshaun Watson improve. Um, we saw that, you know, the last two weeks. I also like the comments that are being made that Deshaun Watson, he's kind of just ignoring everything and just locking himself in and just watching his plays and, you know, really just trying to get better and try to shake off the rust. And overall, you know, he's just working on his game. And I think that's going to translate into an Amari Cooper touchdown. So that that's my, that's my first um, touchdown there. Uh, second, I have a double Raiders pick. So this is either going to shoot me in the, the Raiders are either going to shoot me in the foot one last fucking time, or we're going to carry a little bit more Raiders moments here. I think, you know, the Raiders, they're angry. They're going to play on those emotions. I at least think I'll get the Jacobs touchdown. He's been consistent. We'll see about Devonte Adams. Um, the Titans, I, I think, uh, Derek Henry is going to find his way into the end zone. And just simple as that. Um, I don't really have no explanation. It's Derrick Henry. And then the Eagles, I disagree with you on Jalen Hurts having a good game. I think Jalen Hurts is going to relax a little bit more because I think the Eagles see what I hope you know everybody else sees, and it's that we got to protect Jalen Hurts at this point because the Eagles are 12-1. and one. Um, It's almost set in stone that we're going to be first and that we're going to get the bye. We're going to get some extra rest. Um, and we can't afford to to have Jalen Hurts, you know, doing all this amazing stuff that he's doing and risking injury. I think he's going to relax a little bit. I have Dallas Goddard for a touchdown because Dallas Goddard is his easy target when he's making easy throws down the field. And Dallas Goddard, I, I feel, finds the, the end zone. And that is my fifth pick for touchdown scorers. I love the Goddard take. I, I think that's a guy that a lot of people are going to forget about, including Vegas, I, when they're making these odds. So uh, by all means, I, that's definitely one that I'm going to start including, uh, but not one that I thought of. So great call there. Uh, for my five, I've got Damian Harris destroying the Raiders. I think uh, it, whoever the starting running back is for the Patriots, I, I do like, even if it's not Damian Harris, if you have to take one of the backups who – I can't even say that I can name right now. I believe it's Pierre Strong and, and then the other guy. Uh, whoever you see listed as the Patriots starting running back, feel free, lock it in, at least one touchdown. Who's your, who's your Harris, one I pick? Like for two being that he is hands down more talented. Okay. So I'm going with Damian, Damian Harris there if he plays. If not, feel free to lock that in as a backup is all I'm saying. Uh, for – our record keeping purposes, I'll roll with Damian Harris because I do think he plays. Uh, I also like Tony Pollard a lot this week. I, I could see him getting two touchdowns as well, but lock him in for one. Dalton Schultz again against the Jaguars. It's just good matchup for the tight end. So lock him in for a touchdown. I like Mike Williams to beat uh, the Tennessee Titans deep secondary. 
at least once. Uh, these are all guys that could really go off. And then Garrett Wilson uh, against the Lions. Wide receiver ones do quite well against the Lions, as you saw last week, against uh, Justin Jefferson. So I think he finds pay dirt as well. I really like all these. I'm pretty confident in these. I think this is at least a sweep. And if I can get three of these guys to to double down, uh, then I feel even better about it with uh, with the way my bankroll is going to look after. Uh, for know, sure, for right sure. And that was our five on five. Always love that. Um, me and Bill, it's getting competitive here because we're, we're getting close, getting close to the playoffs. We're going to have to do something where we predict playoff wins or something like that. But with that being said, um, Bill, give us give us a closing take. Look. What's on the top of your head as we as we conclude the show? Yeah, I I really I'm banking on a snow game on Saturday night, and we're in upstate New York, likely Here for to be it. snowed in for the weekend. Uh, looking forward to Saturday football all day long, even if the other games aren't quite as exciting. And but Saturday night football is going to be a blast. Uh, Hell yeah! Several beers consumed, some wings if we can get them delivered, depending on how many inches or feet of snow we have. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing some some serious precipitation during Dolphins game, which is not always our friend, uh, but. I feel like we're ready for it this time. I say that we might lose 40 to 10. Yeah, man. I I, overall, like I told you, I'm ready for these playoffs, but you know, it's great. I love the where the NFL is at because it's either we're getting either some really good football or we're getting some really shitty football, but the really shitty football is still really entertaining to me for some reason this year. Like the, the bad football is just so fun to watch still. And that's just what's making this, honestly, this might go down as like my favorite season as a football fan, but obviously besides the the season that we won the Super Bowl so far, but you know what, that I, I'm loving it. And, and you know what, with that, we're going to take this excitement and, and we're going to, we're going to go take our ball and we're going to go home with it. So thank you for watching another episode of the Built Different Podcast. We're episode five in the gold rush. We're loving it. We love talking your guys' ears off. Make sure you guys like subscribe sell your souls shout out to belgium shout out to all you guys that watch us every single week make sure you guys have a good night make sure you bet accordingly because we have been money on some of this stuff that we're telling you guys so make sure you guys are paying attention because we're making you some money we're not making ourselves money because we're parlaying these a little bit wrong but if you guys parlay them right you will be thousandaires we promise